Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Thursday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Radio Network. Glad you're with us wherever you're listening around the state this afternoon, online, wherever you might be tuned in. We appreciate you uh, joining us each and every afternoon at 1 o'clock. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg on a rainy afternoon here in South Mississippi, and we've got a good show for you today. Justin Emil is about to join us. He's a former golfing great at Southern Miss, who's now the head golfing coach at Rice University. Patrick McGee scheduled on the show today from the Biloxi Sun-Herald since it's uh, Thursday afternoon, and we'll uh, locate Kelly Santer uh, out at his uh, biggest state some, sometime later uh, in the hour, and uh, we always look forward to our conversations with Kelly. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics and the Eagle Hour. You can enjoy their great food seven days a week. They're still serving it through the drive through and home delivery. And we encourage you to support Justin Harris and all the great people at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Our first guest we're very happy to have on the show. He's the head uh, golf coach at Rice University, a former assistant at Vanderbilt. Uh, played in the U.S. Amateur Golf uh, Tournament, uh, played some professional golf, and was a great golf star uh, for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. We're happy to welcome Justin Emil to the show. And, Justin, thanks, first of all, for being on the Eagle Hour, and congratulations, man. You've uh, you've had quite a career since you uh, came to USM. Well, thanks a lot. I'm really uh, excited about being on the show and, and uh, in some form or fashion being back in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Well, you are, and in fact, you're in a lot of places in Mississippi right now. So, uh, so we're we're glad to have you. Rice University, of course, a huge baseball rival uh, with Southern Miss. Great institution, uh, really good kids that uh, that attend school down there. That's got to be a pretty sweet head coaching job in the world of golf, I would think. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's been really fun to work with guys that are just fully committed uh, to their academics and want to be great at golf as well, and. You know, I think that's uh, what the true student athlete is, and I, you know, I can relate to that in my own student athlete experience at Southern Miss. It was really good, and um, just the opportunity to play a sport at the Division One level and and also get a great education was really really important to me. Justin, I know you've had a lot of success at Rice. I, I'm curious, and I mean this in a good sense. Uh, is recruiting at Rice a little more difficult uh, in light of the academic standards that the university upholds? Yeah, it's it's different, right? So there's a there's a higher standard of, for academic credentials that that meet the sort of identity of the university, and so uh, a really good test score and uh, some pretty uh, strong academic credentials are, are a big requirement for the players that I recruit, and so it it, uh, it makes us really focus in on the type of player and student that we're looking for that fits the you know that's a good fit there. Um, and it, it uh, in some ways it makes it difficult. In some ways it makes it easier. Right? You're you can eliminate a lot of a lot of guys. Right, uh, Luke, Justin, email. 
Justin, it's been a while, man. We were at Southern Miss at the same time. And, and just a, a general remark, we've had several of your, your former teammates on. And, man, what a rich tradition. You brought up a name uh, specifically when we were all fair, Coach Hall, and we covered, uh, man, just uh, how, you know, it's been sad to watch uh, Mr. Carpenter and, and now Coach Hall. Uh, you know, they passed on. But, man, what a crazy, awesome legacy, not just in Mississippi, but nationally, that Southern Miss has sent on the game of golf. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, there's some guys that are out there teaching uh, PJ Tour players. Um, you've got people connected to the program that are doing great things. Uh, you got people connected to the program that are in the Hall of Fame of Mississippi and the Sports Hall of Fame and you know guys like Sam Hall and who made a tremendous impact on my life and all those uh, guys that were on the on the show before, prior to me, Justin Elliott, uh, Ben Snow, Mike Soroka, um, Nathan Rogers, Tim Elverton, the list goes on and on. Uh, BJ Trollio, uh, Mark Blackburn. Uh, there's so many names that are still in the golf business that were tremendously impacted by Coach Hall and Steve Johnson and, and uh, the legacy those guys left. So you know we, we should we should mention the fact Hattiesburg absolute wonderful golf community and you think about uh, the Hattiesburg Country Club, Cambridge, Timberton those. But I got to tell you something, bro. I was looking at your 2019-2020 uh, golf schedule. Um, yeah, so the All-American Inter- Intercollegiate hosted by Rice was at the Golf Club of Houston, which is uh, used for a PGA course. H- how sweet is it, though? <laughs> how sweet of a golf uh, mecca is Houston, Texas, and the courses that your players have access to? Oh, it's, I mean, it's great. I mean, we, we have so many options, which is so nice, and there's a lot of competition for uh members at all these clubs in Houston and so they have to have their golf courses in pristine condition and so we get to play some really really good courses on some uh really nice grass and and uh and play on golf courses that host PJ Tour and Champions Tour events and and so yeah it's it's great I mean it's a really good recruiting tool obviously but at the same time it's good for player development and all that yeah, we've uh, we've poked fun at some of our golf coaches here, Justin. We think you guys have the best gig in college sports. You know, football players are out there sweating it out, and you guys are traveling to the some of the coolest places in the country uh, and, and playing the sport you love. Uh, we can't really talk to anybody these days without asking about COVID nineteen. I guess that's put the halt on your program. And uh, I, how is that affecting uh, collegiate golf, Justin? Yeah, I think it's just given us all a lot of uncertainty, right? I think that the NCAA just passed a a recruiting ban through the end of June for all sports, and so everyone's kind of wondering how much longer are they going to postpone recruiting, and is that going to affect the fall fall season? Everyone's kind of wondering how it's going to affect football, which is the big money driver. And and so golf being an outdoor sport, you would assume that that it would continue and that there wouldn't be any delay, but there really is a lot of uncertainty right now, and I think that our approach has been we're just going to plan for it to be starting as normal and, and be prepared for that so that when, if we do get that opportunity, we'll be ready and raring to go and ready to go out and compete. Right. Uh, Rice University is such a historic place. Uh, it's got to be got to be fun to be associated with a school like Rice. It is. I, I mean, the city of Houston is really cool, and Rice has been a big part of that history, you know, with being involved with NASA and um, the university, you know, being over 100 years old and um, being very much a traditional college where students live on campus and, you know, they come from 
mostly Texas, but all over the world. And so you get to see a lot of diversity there. And that reflects the city of Houston and the, you know, 6 million people that live mm-hmm. uh, around the, around the city from all different parts of the world. So it's, it's really interesting. Uh, living here and and working at a place like Rice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that your tenure at Vanderbilt may have helped you get the job at Rice because a lot of similarities in the in the respect of academics and uh, an academic reputation at Vanderbilt and Rice. Yes, very much so. I've never been Mister Academia, but I've attached myself to some really good schools in my career coaching, and so it makes me look a lot smarter. <laughs> I can relate but to that. At the same time, uh, it's it's been really fun to work in at these two schools. Uh, the locations have been really cool, and then also like just personally, like met my wife in Nashville, married her, and then dragged her away from her Tennessee family down to Houston, Texas, and started a family. And it's been really it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. I could say that. No question. All right, Luke. What else have you got for Justin? A couple more things, Coach. Uh, t- talk for a minute. You played in, in the U.S. Amateur, and uh, it just so happens that the current champion right now, um, Andy Ogletree, I think he played at Georgia Tech, uh, from Little Rock, Mississippi. And uh, I asked Ben about this a, a couple weeks ago, Ben Snow. You know, with the, the Masters being in November, we have an amateur champion that is going to be paired up with Tiger Woods for round one. How cool is that as an amateur to be able to play in the Masters? How nuts is it that a Mississippian gets paired with Tiger Woods on day one? I mean, it's so the everyone that I've talked to about playing with Tiger, it's it's like a whole nother ball game because you're not just out playing a round of golf where you can get you know focused and quiet. You have cameras snapping in your backswing and people that are just flocking to see tiger just to get a glimpse of him. And then all of a sudden here you are some little Mississippi guy that's an amateur <laughs> golfer and you're paired with him and everybody's like, who's that guy? But uh, no, it's, I'm, I can only imagine what an overwhelming experience it is to play with tiger. But I did hear a funny story one time that there was a guy, he was an amateur player paired with tiger and he was all excited about it. And uh, after just just for Tiger to help him feel better about the whole situation, Tiger goes, "Hey, just just know this: there's not one person in this crowd that's here to see you. They're all here to see me." <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, Justin, sorry we're out of time. Great conversation, though, man, and we uh, we appreciate the, all that you did here at Southern Miss. And uh, hey, we wish you nothing but uh, continued success at Rice University. Congratulations to you. Thanks so much. Go follow the Golden Eagles. Eddie Brescher's doing a great job with that program. There we go. Justin, email everybody. Head golfing coach at Rice University. It's Thursday. That means we're going to find Patrick McGee. I believe he's down in the Crescent City, hanging out down there. We'll talk to Patrick right after this. To the top. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour, everybody. Glad to have you with us this afternoon. Want to thank uh, Justin Emil for joining us in the first segment. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark. 
campusbookmart.net on Hardy Street, now open, where you can go shop for your favorite Southern Miss apparel. Or if you prefer, you can still do it online at campusbookmart.net. You can pick it out. They'll deliver it right to your house. want to thank Campus Bookmart for their continuing support of Eagle Hour. We're grateful to them for that. Also grateful to our next guest. He's been with us since day one, Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Back in Mississippi for the first time now in in a couple of months. And uh, Patrick doing some news reporting as well as sports reporting these days for the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Patrick, we were talking uh, off the air about Quez Watkins, who, uh, of course, uh, was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, the, uh, the kid drafted off Southern Miss football. What can you give us? What kind of update can you give us on Quez Watkins? Well, just the, the situation he's walking into sounds like a pretty good one. Uh, just reading on what the Eagles really kind of focused on in the draft was was adding speed, and they really need to help a receiver. Uh, when you think about it, over time, the Eagles, you know, aside from maybe having Terrell Owens or uh, you know a couple of other guys, they haven't really had much success over the years at the receiver position and really keeping somebody that can kind of produce over time. So, I, I think uh, he's walking into a good situation because they're going to have a little bit of a youth movement at that position. So I, I think what Quez Watkins is probably walking into is pretty ideal. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to get playing time immediately. He's got some things to work on, maybe get a little stronger uh, going into the season. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think what, you know, Quez getting drafted, it, he could have, you know, he could have easily fallen out, you know, of the draft or he could have gone, you know, through two rounds higher. It's just a matter of, you know, which team kind of buys in and, and likes that speed and likes those hands and, uh, it's good to see Quez, you know, gets an opportunity to go somewhere and play. Now, in re- retrospect, I think he probably made the the right decision to go ahead and enter the draft. I mean, he'd already shown what he can do. He'd already put up big numbers at Southern Miss. Uh, you know, coming back one more year, I'm not sure would have helped him much in, in regards to the draft. So, I, I think Quez at, with the Eagles is walking into a pretty good situation. You think kids that leave early like he did, uh, unless there's some extraordinary super talent. Do you think they're at a disadvantage when it comes to getting playing time immediately in the NFL where everybody's bigger, stronger, tougher, and faster? Does that does losing that senior year hurt him in any way? No, I don't think so. I think what could hurt him is maybe an abbreviated uh, fall camp or something like that, you know, just dealing with the <laughs> – seems like every conversation we have goes back to the pandemic. But, I mean, right. uh, this is one of the situations uh, where it's going to be really hard for rookies – uh, to get on the field quickly, uh, and I think I've said before on here, the teams that are able to uh, kind of uh, ha- have that really strong veteran core and a bunch of returners and a, and a staff that's you know put together pretty much like it was the year before, I think those are the teams that are going to probably have the most success, at least through the first half of the season. So uh, I think for first-year guys, this year may be a little bit tougher than most. So for Quez, it, it may be a year where he's kind of, uh, watching, but you know he's always one or two injuries away from getting out there. Right, Luke. Quez uh, looks like he'll be wearing number eighty in uh, in the preseason. And I'll talk a little more about the Eagles since this is the Eagle Hour. Uh, Patrick and I just kind of want to stick it to Bob um, because of I that NFC Eagles, East bro. connection. But but <laughs> but talk about it just for a second. You know. You, you look at the Eagles' receiving core. You mentioned it, but they're, they're top three receivers last year. Ertz, a tight end at, at almost 1,000 yards. Uh, Godert, the backup tight end, 600 yards. And then the third leading receiver was Miles Sanders, a running back. Alshon Jeffrey was the only one less than 500 yards. So it's it's kind of wide open for Quez, but he was the third wide receiver they picked. Who knows what Doug Peterson's going to do because he took Jalen Hurts in round two also. Yeah, I thought the Hurts pick was really interesting. Well, you know, I like Hurts. 
Uh, but I, I think what they see in Hurts is maybe somebody that's similar to Carson Wentz. Uh, big, strong, physical guy, you know, good arm. Wentz is maybe a little bit more advanced as a passer, uh, obviously, at this point in their careers, comparing the two. But uh, I, I think that's what they saw in, in, in Hurts is maybe somebody, if Wentz goes down, he's another guy that can come in and do a lot of the similar things, and they can kind of uh, run that same offense. Uh, but, yeah, the, you know, adding Hurts, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, that was high draft pick. He was, what, second round? Uh, second round. So it, it's it's interesting to see that happen, and they really went strong on offense, brought in a lot of receivers. Uh, but we've seen this before. Whenever you uh, really need to add depth of receiver or, or a certain position, and you draft a bunch of guys at that, uh, that really you know that does open the, the opportunity for somebody that's maybe draft pick later in the draft to move up. All you got to do is go out there and prove yourself. So if Quez goes in and, and and plays well and shows that he's better than one or two guys ahead of him that were picked of him. He can easily go up the depth chart, maybe land a, a, a number two number two spot on the uh, depth chart. I know I'm biased, uh, just the way I am, but I really feel like overall <laughs> speaking, that was one of the best values of of the draft. Quez Watkins, second fastest forty time, a six round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was, you know, like we said, you know, sometimes speed can be deceiving. We've seen the Raiders do a lot of dumb draft picks because of speed. Uh, but all you got to do is look and see what Quez did in college and, and the hands he showed and just the, the, the being able to make the play on the ball and, and just, just you know, <laughs> there, you never saw anybody run Quez down from behind. Uh, he's got that football speed and he's got legit natural speed. Uh, he's got a lot of potential as a receiver. He's not as big and strong as some of the other guys that are going to be in the league, but uh, there's a lot of, you know, guys even smaller than Quez have had success. It's just all about putting in the work and, and improving where he has to improve. So Quez has got every just as much chance as anybody is getting on the field in his first year or two. The kind of reminiscent guys of back when uh, the Eagles drafted Todd Pinkston. He wasn't a very big guy. He was yeah. skinny as a rail, but he was blazing right. fast. And he has a pretty good year, sir, Patrick. Yeah, Pinkston has to be the skinniest receiver of all to time. ever suit up in the NFL. I mean, right. he was, his arm, I've got arms bigger than Pinkston does. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just, he was just not the biggest guy and, yeah, but he just had one of those kind of those builds, that wiry build. Uh, you know, you can be super strong and look like that. He was just one of those, you know, uh, strong country built guys that could really go out there and play. Fortunately, injury ended his career a little bit early, but he was he was pretty steady as an NFL receiver. In a league where you have these six four, two hundred and twenty pound wide receivers that are fast as well, so kind of unusual when you when you get a guy that's uh, of that frame that has that kind of success, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's you know it's it's about you know putting in work. I mean, Jerry Rice wasn't you know if you know I, I guess they had combine stuff whenever Jerry Rice uh, went into the league, but I, I'm guessing he was not a combine superstar. He pre- probably ran a, a four six five or a four six three, and uh, but I'm sure he caught everything in sight. So right. if you've got good hands and can go out and run routes and, and and figure out ways to get yourself open, it really doesn't matter how big you are. Patrick, I was kind of surprised this week when I see the Saints cut a, an offensive lineman that's a three-time Pro Bowler. What what was yeah. the story there? You think? Well, I, I guess they really uh, the 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 uh, draft pick out of Michigan, the center slash guard. Uh, I'm guessing they drafted him with the idea that he's going to start. Um, it's it's interesting. Maybe Warford's you know shown a little decline. I, I don't have any great insight as to why they cut him, but obviously. Money, uh, money, drafted, money. Yeah, money, money, yeah, exactly. money, money, money. Exactly. Money has a lot to do with that. He's right. I, I saw the the how much I forget how was it like seven million that the Saints would save against. Mm, the, I forget yeah. the total, 
but uh, being able to they've drafted interior linemen uh, each of the last two years they're with their first selection so it does make sense that if there was one place to save money they were going to do it and they think they made a pretty good addition with Ruiz so is there still a place for Cameron Tom on the Saints roster yeah, well, I mean, the the, uh, the releasing of Warford, I guess, kind of increases the odds that Tom's going to yeah, play some role this season. So yeah. I, I think maybe that just bolsters his chances. Uh, that that tells us probably they have confidence that Tom can fill in there at guard or at center. If we have football, Patrick. Yeah, it's it's this was not a good week in terms of like looking ahead and. and in, especially for college football, that pro football, I think, is going to happen in some shape or form. I mean, right. just, you know, it's, right. it's a league that's intended to make money. At the end of the day, college is about college. You know, it's about right. an education. Uh, but what? yeah, I mean, the SEC the, is not the, about the, making the, money. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, right. you know, yeah, we don't. But right. I mean, in California, where you had the state university system saying they won't have uh, learning on campus. Uh, you know, in, in the campuses that are essentially closed. So that puts, I think it's Fresno State, San Diego State, and San Jose State uh, in limbo in uh, football and all the other sports that are going to be going on in the fall. So there's a lot of things to figure out over there. Uh, college football is, is, you know, I think you hear a lot of things out of the ADs and presidents. and You know, a place like Arkansas and Alabama, they've got people just frothing at the mouth like, by God, we better have, you know, football in September 5 or whatever. Uh, so it's it's you know it's a touchy situation and everybody wants football. I want football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it's 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 going to be a good thing if we can make it happen and in safe you know in safe uh, in a safe environment. But it's you know this this week was kind of made you kind of think this this is not so not such a sure thing. I got a good idea. Go into rural Alabama and tell them the Crimson Tide aren't going to play football this <laughs> fall and see what kind of reaction you get. Right, Patrick? Yes, there will. I mean, there will be upheaval and. There will be violence, probably, if you uh, told them that. I mean, they're just, they will not be happy. Um, you know, I, I, it's, no. just, it, it, it's just tough to see it not happening at all. I think it'll happen in some form. There is no virus in the eyes of Alabama football fans worth the Crimson Tide not playing football. That would be my prediction in Alabama. Yes, they will sacrifice their children for a national championship. I think you're 100% right. All right, Patrick, uh, glad you're back in Mississippi. Uh, You stay safe. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. All right, thank you, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, our go-to guy for sports information, and we really appreciate Patrick. Been with us since the first week this show came on the air. Kelly Sanders next. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a cloudy Thursday. Great show so far. Appreciate Patrick McGee and uh, Justin Emil from uh, Rice University for joining us on the first two segments of the Eagle Hour. This segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located just across Highway 49 from M.M. Roberts Stadium, home of the 895 curbside lunch being served to you 
uh, by our good friend Slade White and all his crew. Go check them out. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Well, we go to the phones. Kelly John Sander joins us. And, uh, Kelly, um, a strong statement from out in the plains of East Alabama regarding uh, college football this fall. Not surprising. Not surprising. I think uh, Patrick, you know, talked about it that that uh, Auburn's university president said there will be football in some way, shape, or form uh, this fall. You know, whether it's a late start or you know whatever what they come up with. But good to hear. I, I was talking yesterday with a gentleman who's actually going to be uh, our guest next Tuesday on the show, the commissioner of the Division Two Pac West Conference which all the schools in the PacWest are either from California or Hawaii or somewhere you know, along that, that West Coast. And he's going to come on the show next Tuesday and talk about how his neighboring conference has already announced that there will be no football, that they're shutting down sports for the fall through the end of the year, 2020. Um, but as we were talking yesterday, the gentleman's name is Bob Hope. He said, and one thing you have to understand is he said out West here in California and, and Hawaii, when we say we're shutting down football, it barely gets a mention because he said it's just football is not held, you know, in such high regard that it's nearly religious like it would be in the South. So he said for us to make those decisions, um, it's not going to affect the fan base nearly as much as it would there. But he said, I absolutely understand why, you know, in, in the Deep South, you you better have football. <laughs> right, Kelly, but yeah. out there if you if you cancel the Alvocado Festival, you can have riots in the street, right? Oh yeah, and the Woodstock reunions. Correct. You, know, the, you just couldn't do that, right? That, that would be big, or close know, down uh, the cannabis shops. It just <laughs> would not fly in California, would it? Hold well it's a blue state, Bob. It's it's <laughs> It's a deep blue state. And you, you said know. he's going to be our That's guest. The I thought Bob, of the week this week. Yeah. Blue state. I thought Everybody Bob Hope was dead. Blue state, blue state. Yeah. Did you say Bob Hope is on the show, Kelly? I thought he was dead. No, Bob Hogue. Oh, Hogue. Okay, okay. okay. H-O-G-U-E. Yeah. Okay, I feel better now. I was getting a little concerned about, uh, and, and yeah, about he's having looking, Bob Hope. He's actually looking forward to talking to us about you know the economic implications of this. And, hmm. um, it'd be a real interesting because he's got no skin in the game here, but he can take right. us behind the curtain of what it's like to be an, a, an AD and then a commissioner of a conference with these academic uh, hmm. and and economic, you know, things that are ahead of them. So Imagine someone that looks forward to being on this show. That's a pretty unique thing in its own right. Bob, I'll tell you what, we get the, we, we have the varsity on this program. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that. And thank goodness we have compromising photographs of most of these people. Correct, because you know? they never turn us down, do they? <laughs> it's amazing how, how quickly they, they want to Look, we got them, Mississippi bro. State fans saying that we're one of the best shows on the radio, okay? That's all oh, you need to know, right? Go. So just go there ahead, you go. pat yourself on the back. But it is coming from Mississippi State fans, so take that in stride also. Right. Well, and you guys, you, you know, we talked yesterday about how the Major League Baseball Player Union uh, now is, is pushing back on exactly what you guys said. The players... Uh, in their responses, have said we have made financial concessions, and the owners said, "Well, we we just didn't think we were going to be impacted that badly." And the players just pretty much said, "Tough." You should have thought about that ahead of time. So the players have said, "So you're not only asking us to take a pay cut, but you're asking us essentially to put our lives on the line." So the two the two sides are are back at the table. Uh, discussing this, and you know, like I said, Arizona is open for business. The whole state where teams could play there, and and Luke has talked about how Florida has also said they would welcome 
uh, you know, any pro sports teams uh, there. Of course, if they did that, then they'd have to get rid of the Dolphins and the, the Rays and <laughs> some of the other teams that are. You're just so callous, Sander. You know, you're just posing as professional teams. And what amazes um, me is you're a Bengal and a Detroit Tiger fan, and then you trash the. Uh, Trash the Miami Dolphins. Come on. Yeah, you guys, you, the trivia, we talk about trivia. Did, did you know before Michael Jackson passed away, he was trying to buy the Detroit Tigers? No. Why, Kelly? Yeah, well, well, because the Tigers also wear a glove for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, is this Michael? Yeah, this is, you're, you're there, Kelly. You're there. Uh, Luke, you Luke what, are you with us? <laughs> by the time this thing gets over, Somewhere. we're all going to be hunks, chunks, or drunks. <laughs> 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 Maybe a combination of just don't three. be a chunky drunk. That's we got to pick it up, guys. We got five <laughs> minutes left in this segment. Okay, we got to pick okay. it up. Chunky drunk. That's, about, a, that's quite an image here, Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> but Luke, Florida is open well, to business. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what to talk about because you know Bob usually sends me these big agendas. Like you know, he sends them to me about nine fifteen in the morning. Yeah. They're scripted out. Like yeah. every two minutes is exactly when we switch right. the subject. I didn't get one of those today, Kelly. So I'm I'm kind of dead in the water right hmm. now. But That's, you did talk about that Florida is 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 telling pro sports teams that they're yes, that they're, and it, it goes back to what we talked about yesterday with California. If if uh, L.A. County shuts down, Chargers have you know what are the Chargers and what are the Rams going to do? So yeah, the Florida um, athletic director uh, is is basically putting it out there. Hey, uh, we're open. We're open to hosting professional pro games. Uh, we're looking uh, for ways to use our venues. And so that's after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said yesterday that all professional teams are welcome to practice and to play. And so uh, Strickland, the, the AD at Florida, he reached out and said that. I mean, let's be honest. If if you're going to have – this goes back to our blue state comment. But if you got some people that, that are you know basically going to keep their state shut down, well, then why shouldn't other states who, you know, based off their position and their judgment, open it up? I mean, it's an opportunity for some states to get um, lots of, uh, you know, income. I mean, what's to say that the state of Mississippi couldn't host the Saints this year? Well, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? I, I'd be for that, yeah. yeah. If for nothing else but, like, preseason, you know, practice or, or right. training camp or something like that. You know, guy, you may be too young to remember this, Luke. Kelly, you may remember this, but I, I remember when my son was a kid – taking him to Jackson, and we saw a preseason game at the Jackson Stadium with New Orleans yeah. and the New York Jets. And, uh, you know, so the Saints have played in Mississippi before. They have. Uh, you know, here's some great trivia for you. Did you know that the New York Yankees actually had their spring training in Hattiesburg? Really? Back in 19... It was either 60 or 61, I believe. The real Yankees. Um, the real New York Yankees, really? yeah, and it was it was for one year. It was at Smokey Harrington Park, really? in Hattiesburg, and uh, yeah, one year the New York Yankees at spring training. See, there was an urban legend when we were in high school. They said it was the twenty seven Yankees. So when we played at Smokey Harrington, we would like go in the the tunnels underneath the dungeon, and we would like look for Lou Gehrig autographs and stuff. Never panned <laughs> out, but that was the urban legend in high school. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that's researchable, right? Know? As, and why they would have had their spring training in Hattiesburg as opposed to, you know, where they where they normally would have. Well, you know, but, guys, the Florida thing makes sense to me because here's how I see here's how I see navigating through this COVID nineteen stuff for sports. 
not all areas of the country are affected the same right now. I was I was on the phone with a good friend of mine this morning that lives up in the Delta. And, you know, in the Delta, people just he says there's just not that consciousness of this disease there like there is down here because there's just simply not as many cases up there. But is that the truth nationwide? Couldn't you find geographical areas of the country where it would be safe to host big sporting events? Yeah, I think that, you know, Luke was kind of saying that use that as a marketing tool. You know, right. if not there, you know, come here. Right. Uh, and it might it might force some of these states who if if and you certainly hope that for political reasons they wouldn't be keeping their states closed. Right. You know, to make any particular person or party look bad. Mm. But um but if those states did stay closed, yeah, there'd be no reason why, you know, they, they couldn't uh, go to these other places. Now one of the one of the things that's problematic from the Major League Baseball Players Association, they've said that that because they're talking about testing the players weekly, you know, every week during the season they would test the players, and you know that would get old real fast, right? You know, and just because you're you're not symptomatic one week, you know, you might be the next week, and um, you know, then changing your your rosters. Although they would expand the rosters to to have up to you know, 15 pitchers or 20 pitchers or something like that on there, which would help, you know, the pitching staff. But interestingly, the players have not balked at the universal um, designated hitter, which a lot of people thought there might be some some pushback on. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's one less thing than the pitchers would have to worry about. Are you a fan of that, Kelly? You like the you like the DH or you like the pitcher batting? No, I like the pitcher batting because it, it makes the manager's strategic skill more valued. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really have to be a thinker as a manager if you're, if you're going to have your pitchers hit. So I like that rule. Really, the only reason the designated hitter was implemented to begin with, and you know, way back when it was, was just a way to be able to keep aging stars around mm-hmm. a lot longer. Mm-hmm. You know, if the designated hitter would not have been in place, then Reggie Jackson would have had to retire sooner than he did. You know, but it, for as an example. But it does allow players who've had great resumes and uh, great fan bases to be able to stick around the game a few more years if they, you know, if they could hit. Man, I miss baseball. Don't you guys? I know you do. That's just, we need some baseball, Kelly Sander. First of July. Hang yeah. in there, Bob. It's, uh, it's coming. I hope you're right. All right. Eagle Hour continues right after this. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you today by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located online, toyotahattiesburg.com, and on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Toyota makes some of the best vehicles in the world, and Toyota of Hattiesburg can get you your next vehicle. Appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Partly cloudy, overcast, may rain a little later, but uh, we're here for you, Bob and Luke, from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Kelly Sander, 
remains on uh, the phone with us and just a, a little research done and you know there's there's some conflicting stories or overlap here but Smoky Harrington Park in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I, I read one article where uh, the stadium actually opened in 1948 as a spring training facility for the Yankees. The Yankees had a farm team um, in the late 40s and early 50s, and then I read uh, specifically that it opened in 1950. But again, the Yankees did send some teams there, some farm teams, for spring training. So kind of un- unclear about whether or not it was the, the big squad or whether it's some farm teams. Still, I'll tell you what, when I played there as a West Jones Mustang in Smokey Harrington, you just hit the ball in a gap, you may get two inside the park home runs. You can just keep running the bases because that thing is a monster. It was 440 to dead center field and was still one of the old ballparks that the flagpole was on the playing field. It was it was in center, you had to you had to play around the flagpole in center mm. field. Mm. So you talk about having some speedy outfielders being very important. I mean, four forty. I don't even think there's a major league park that's mm-hmm. four forty to center field anymore. Mm. Um, and and then when the tornado came through, you know, a couple of years ago, and obviously this is a statewide show, so we're kind of filling folks in across the state, filling in some blanks here. But when the tornado came through in Hattiesburg and really wiped that that field out, they they um, in rebuilding it, you know, there was the big debate as should you keep the flagpole in or should you know you got a chance to rework the stadium and everybody said no, keep it, you know. Where a lot of old ballparks are getting rid of all the the old things that make it unique, Hattiesburg said no, let's keep it, and I think it was a great decision. Yeah, I'll tell you another interesting ballpark uh, is Legion Field up in Greenville. Now it's kind of fallen falling away now but uh, there was a time that every year arkansas which is right on the border of greenville and mississippi state would come and play a baseball game in greenville at legion field and you know you you couldn't get a ticket i mean you know between arkansas being right on the border and they're fanatics about the razorbacks in arkansas and of course mississippi state in my view has the most storied baseball program in mississippi and probably one of the top 5 baseball programs historically in the country was a huge huge deal so you know these old ballparks guys are, are pretty cool you know with the, with the history that that exists in a lot of these old baseball fields in mississippi absolutely yeah in, absolutely. in, the, in the in the coastal plains league my son was playing in, in north carolina a couple of years ago and they still had it was so cool because the outfield um the outfield scoreboard was still made of slate and a youngster would sit out there, and he'd put the team names up there on, like, painted, you know, boards or whatever. And every inning, the youngster would take a huge piece of chalk and write down, you know, zero runs or one run. That's you know, cool. That's <laughs> cool. That's so cool. Like, yeah, like it was so when cool. we were a kid. And, and they said, every kid in town, that's like, uh, you put that on your resume if you got to be the kid that did that for the High Point Thomas Little High Toms. You were out there with your chalk, writing it down, and um, harking you back to some great days. Can we, Bob? You go. You talk, you mentioned Mississippi State uh-huh. uh, baseball a minute ago. Didn't know if you guys saw this. Um, there's a collective sigh. Uh, there was an eyebrow raising, and then a collective sigh. Ron Polk heading back to Mississippi right. State, mm-hmm. but the sigh came from the umpires because thankfully <laughs> this is an off the field position for Ron Polk. Yeah, one of my favorite Ron Polk stories is that if he was having, if he, if he thought the umpires were having a bad night, he'd, he'd run a cell phone out there to home plate 
And the umpire would say, what's this? And the umpire and uh, Ron Polk would say, it's your cell phone. And the umpire said, well, how do you know it's my cell phone? And Ron Polk says, it says eight missed calls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now this you is know, he, got, su- he got thrown one night. He got thrown one night, and uh, they, the umpire said, uh, get somewhere where I cannot see you. So he stood on home plate and just stayed there. <laughs> Uh, this is a Southern Miss show. You two guys know my love for Southern Miss baseball, but would you agree with me w- what I just said? One of probably the top five college baseball programs in history and really the standard bearer for, for Mississippi is Mississippi State baseball? I don't think Southern Miss is that far behind. I just think Southern Miss came to the party late. Correct. Right. Sure. You know? sure. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's, that's well, it wasn't really I'm... that we came to the party that late. It was the fact that that Ron had the coach Polk had such a party going. But you yeah. think about what Hill Denson did with yeah, that, yeah. And I, you know, I, I think that late to maybe the first party, but certainly we were right there when it all started. Oh, also. agreeable. I, oh, I, I completely agree. But Ron Polk, such a great character, and uh, you know, it's fitting. I think that he finishes his career and probably his life at Mississippi State. Agreed. All right, that wraps it up for the day. The guys will be back with me tomorrow at 1 o'clock as we'll wrap up another week of Eagle Hour. We appreciate everybody joining us every day and remind everybody, until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future Mississippi Media Production.